0: Hey, good morning. good morning. It's great to be with you guys. If you're new, I'm Charlie, uh, the lead pastor here. And if you're joining us online, really glad that you're here as well. And probably a lot of you know, if you were here, um, I missed Christmas Eve uh, for the first time ever. It was, it was devastating. I was really heartbroken about it. And uh, the tech team did me a really cool thing. They made a little private viewing link for me through the uh, stream deal. That was pretty cool. So I got to be with you guys a little bit. And I just want to say publicly the thing that I said uh, privately, uh, I just really appreciate and love a staff that has both the flexibility and the skill set and the energy and the desire just to be able to make that go as well as it did. I just really appreciate them, and I um, hope you guys all had a great Christmas. And now here we are, it's New Year's Day, and I was trying to think about this. I mean, this is, I think, the third time Christmas has fallen on uh, on a Sunday, so the New Year's falls on a Sunday, I was trying to think, I can't remember any of the previous New Year's Day Sundays, and I was like, I, I was trying to, think, trying to think, why? I was like, obviously, it's because I've always made Mark preach, apparently, because I have no, I have, I have no, I have no, I have no memory, no memory of this, who's, who's like, who's, who's like, who's like, would you consider yourself, like me, this is not a judgment thing, like me, like, incredibly lame when it comes to New Year's, Right? Watch the ball drop in Nova Scotia and go to bed, right? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I mean, it's part. Of, hey, singles, teens out there, we got the teens. We got the teens here with us. Find somebody as equally lame as you and marry him, and just love life together. You know what I'm saying? <coughs> so what we're going to do here is New Year's. We're going to start a new series next Sunday. We're going to do the thing that we don't. We rarely do. We're just going to take advantage of the holiday and preach and preach preach it. Preach a good old-fashioned, traditional, what every other church is doing on New Year's, talk about New And here's the thing. I picked the verse, and we'll, we'll get to it here in just a little bit, but it's going to be great. I picked the verse. It's like, this, this is the verse you got to preach on New Year's. I opened up Bible Gateway, which is a website. It was their verse of the day. And then I got on the Bible app, also their verse of the day. So we are just, we're just going to hit New Year's Day right in the face. <coughs> But you know, there is something about New Year's, right? There's just something about like this desire that we have. I I, I want I want a new start. I want I, I, I want to be fresh. I want things to be new. I want things to be different. And for me, very often, it can be just as simple as, sometimes I just need to go to bed. You ever just had one of those days where it's just like, this day's not working. Doesn't seem to be going right. And just like, I just... Maybe if I just go to bed, we just wake up, it'll be, it'll be a different day, and, it, and it'll have to be different. Like, I just, I'm just going to sleep. Again, 8.30, 9 o'clock, doesn't matter. It's like, I just, I just want to restart, you know. Um, for some people, that's, you know, the beginning of the week is Sunday. Sunday can feel like a fresh start. Sunday really, for me, is more the end of a week, you know. Monday is like, okay, I got, I got another shot here, a new week, a new month, a new year, I really think there is something in us where we just have this innate desire, like when I I I, I want to be new. And I think very often some of these desires, we're going to look at a couple of them actually today. There's a couple of these things that I think that are in us that we strive for, that we kind of build cultural phenomenons around or we we build, you know, renewal programs around these things there are these desires I think that we have that I think are there because they're real because because God has placed them there and and there is something and, and and these are meant to draw us I believe some really cool things that that Jesus is actually wanting to do in our lives and so again we'll go to our Bible Gateway Bible app 80% of churches around the nation today uh Verse of the day, 2 Corinthians 5, 17, and 18. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here. And All of this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. And so... Paul's very declarative statement here. If you are in Christ, if you have found hope and life through Jesus Christ, therefore, if that's true of you, you are in fact a new creation. You have been made new. All these different translations, they say it in all these different ways. If anyone is in Christ, there's a new thing there. A new person is there. A new creation is there. There is newness there. And so at its simplest, we'll say this. Jesus makes us new. And I think it is, this is incredibly important. There's a difference between, hey, with Jesus, you get another start. Hey, with Jesus, Jesus can make things better. Because there are a few miraculous sorts of images that the Bible uses very often to describe what Jesus Christ can do for you, what Jesus Christ will do for you. There is a lot of death to life metaphors. You were dead in your sins and Jesus makes you alive. You were old and then you can become new. And both of these things, neither one of them are things that can be done. You can't do this. You can't take something old and make it new. You can take something old and reuse it. You can refurbish it. But you can't make it new. And you can't take something that is dead and bring it back to life. Not something that is literally dead. These are the images of what Jesus says he can and will do for you. He will make you new. He will bring life where there was only death. I'm reminded of this. This is, this is an old legendary uh, Grove Church story that probably only a handful of you even know about. I don't even have much of I don't know if I've ever talked about this publicly, but um, during my interview process, um, I, I got this 93-question questionnaire. 90, 93 questions. And I got about three questions into this, and I'm like, this is, no. No, 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 no. And I talked to the guy who was kind of leading the interview, thinking that and this person is no longer part of the church. So I'm not trying to trash talk him too bad here. But I'm, I'm trying, it's like, it might, anyone would know. Like, you don't, you don't give someone a 93 question essay test just to interview it. Or you, just, you, just, you just don't do that. It's like, we, so I called him. I was like, man, Kim, if these things are really, if all 93 things of these things are really, like, dear to your heart, and we just talk about them next time we're together? I mean, this is a lot to write down, right? I'm thinking, it was like, well, you know, this is all, this is, all of these things are very important. I was like, oh, man, you're the one that, I'm thinking, I like, you're the one that made this. And so then I got on Google, and this was you know a long time ago. This was back when we actually created a creative thing to do, you know, almost thirteen years ago. I got on. I was like, interview pastors for interview questions for senior pastors, and two articles came up. Two articles came up, one with forty seven questions, and one with forty six questions. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> put together into one mega document, and I'm filling this thing out. But here, here's the thing. Here was the one that was the most fun for me. It was, what did Jesus' death on the cross accomplish? And then like, this, this much space. And I'm like, bro, we don't even, we don't even, we don't even know what we're doing here. And I put, a lot, ask me more in person. And it was just, then I just... And I was just, and, and, and then, and then I, I, I kind of finished the 93 questions that way. And then, but, but you know what? I mean, may, may, maybe it was a psychological test. <laughs> maybe that's what it was. And they're like, this is the kind of guy we need. We kind no. anyways, anyways. If I were to ask you, you know, what did, what does Jesus Christ's death do for you? I think it's one of those things, like I talk about this with people when they're, when they're wanting to get baptized, you know. You talk about this in a theology class. We say it a lot. You come to church, you're going to hear it plenty, right? Jesus died on the cross for you. Jesus died on the cross for your sins. And, and we say this, but do you, do, you under, do you understand? Do you understand the depth and the, and, and the richness of what happens in your life? when you fully understand and trust in what Jesus Christ did for you when he died he has made you brand new the the sin the guilt of the past gone the damage the hurt the pain he he has turned you he is he is making you He is creating you into someone who is brand new. I no longer have to be defined in any real way by my past. We've talked about this in different contexts because when I say that to some of you, and I say you no longer have to be bound up by this, you no longer have to be controlled by this, you no longer have to be a victim of this, Some of you think about, let's say, hey, you're free from your past. And some of you think about the worst things you've ever done. And if that's you, I just go, hey, I'm I'm talking to you. You no longer have to be bound up by the things, the worst things that you've ever done. Some of you want to talk about healing from your past. You think about the worst things that have ever been done to you. And what I'm also telling you is that Jesus Christ is offering Healing from that, a remaking of you into someone very different. He is not just simply kind of looked at you and said, you know, I see all that. I'm just going to forgive you. So you're, I'm just going to, no longer going to hold it against you. But I think we imagine, though, that God says, I'm not going to hold that against you until I need to bring it up later, until until a time in which it makes sense for me to remind you, because you just need a a little burst of guilt and shame. Because very often that's what the best of us do. We don't really declare that someone is new, a relationship is new, a person has been renewed, but this is what Jesus Christ has done. And as he says, as Paul says this, you know, the new creation is gone. The old has gone, the new is here. Verse 18, all this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. And so if it's not not obvious, which I think that it should be, the idea of, hey, who can turn a dead thing and make it alive? Who can take something old and literally make it new? You know, that's that's a recreation ministry. That's that's something that only God can do. But just in case, just in case it wasn't obvious in the first stating, Paul states it just a little more, more directly. All of this comes from God. This is an exclusive work that he did, And so Jesus makes us new, and in the process of making us new, it is incredibly important that you understand this. That God did all the work. All of the work that was done to make you brand new. To give you new life. To give you a new hope. To give you forgiveness. To recreate you, to reanimate you, to make you someone free from the worst of your past. To be forgiven of the worst things that you have ever done. To be healed from the worst things that have happened to you. This is a work that, that, that God did all on his own. This is not something that you did. And I remember I've had this conversation so many times. And especially with people of <clears throat> people of just completely different religions where it's just like it doesn't, it doesn't make sense to them. We say, well, it's by grace alone. It is, it, is, it is a free gift. There's nothing that you have to do to earn God's favor. And don't, and especially with religions like, like, like Mormonism that are, I would say, a very inherently American type of religion where I get what I get because of what I've done and who I am and how hard I work. And that like there's this sense of which doesn't make sense. Like, I, I got to do something. He's not just going to forgive me. He's not just going to look at me and say, hey, who you are right now, I just forgive you. And I'm going to do all, you don't have to do anything. I'm just, just going to forgive you. There's something about, and I want to say in the American brain, but I would imagine it is just in the human brain altogether, this idea of it can't, it can't be like that. Because I think in our hearts, in our minds, we've got, we've just got this thing. We've got this urge. We've got this desire. In the same way that we have this innate desire to, to be new, to be made new, to have a new start, a fresh start, I think we also have this sense in which this clamoring that we have is, I want and I need to be good enough. I want to be good enough. And and person after person, family after family, my whole life, you just see time and time again, people striving that are like, I I know that if I do this, if I do this, then I'll finally be good enough. Just strive, just just fighting this desire. Like I'm not I don't I don't feel like I'm good enough. But if I just work a little bit harder, if I just do a little bit more, if I just if I can do this, if I can do this, then I can do this. Then all of these people will like me. And then finally, I'll be able to feel good enough. And so then the gospel comes along. It's like it's not, it, Good enough doesn't even factor in. God, God is good enough. He, he, is, he is the good one. Well, I don't feel like I've done enough. Well, he's done all of it. It's not about how good you are. It's not about how much you can do. It's about how good God is and how much He's done. It can be a little short-circuiting to us when there's, again, there's so much of us, like, we have this striving. And, and for me, honestly, this is something I've been talking about with a, with a counselor for years, just in my, in my own life. Just kind of like how deep-rooted, in me at least, this idea is. And there's a story, and I'm sitting I'm just kind of debating about this. Last couple of days, I think I'm about to tell this story. I could tell this story in a humorous way, and then you'll laugh. But then you might feel bad about it. But I'm also not trying to tell this story like it's a tragic tale that you feel like you got to come hug me afterwards either. So I'm just gonna I'm just gonna tell it, and I give you permission to react to this however you would choose. Okay, second grader, second grader. Okay, so I went to this one school, this neighborhood school, in first grade, and then they started this kind of gifted and talented program. That was going to take all of the people and, and move them to this other school, and part of it was it was an integration deal. It was kind of moving people from other parts of the city into kind of this more poorer area and, and starting this deal over here. So I tested for this in first grade, and I got in, and then see, and and my whole and 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 to me, making really good grades on tests, making hundreds, being the best, being the smartest, even in first grade, was very important to me. Where does this come from? I don't know. It's just it's just there. Second grade we are doing one of these little math worksheets. And the purpose, I'm going to tell you, the purpose of this math sheet was to have so many questions on it, there's no way a second grader is going to finish it. A second grader cannot finish this. It's too many. We just want, they're just trying to figure out how many can you do in two minutes. Of the 100, I did 97 of them and got all 97 of them Right? She, I turn the paper in, she writes 97 on it, and hands it back to me. And I start crying uncontrollably. I told you not to laugh. I'm just, I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. I'm, I'm, baw- I'm bawling, just crying uncontrollably, not good enough. And if you're going to a school, let's just say, I mean... I was going to a school that was, it was, kind of an, it was in a rough neighborhood. And I, I don't want this to feel racial, right? But I don't want to sit here and make... It was, it, was, it was a different culture for me, for sure. And there was a lot of pressure there to not be smart. And to certainly not to be someone who cries in class. So this was a bad day for me in a lot of different ways. Because then I got, I got pigeonholed into a category I didn't want to be in. So I'm at this new school, and now only am I not good enough because I can get 97 out of 100 of the math problems. But now everybody's giving me a hard time because I'm crying, crying about making a 97, but crying in general. And so then I made a decision. Well, the only way to survive here is to be really good at sports. And I don't know how one does this. I mean, I was interested to go back in time 40 years ago. How one can just decide to be a really unathletic kind of nerdy little gooby kid, and this is just decide the only way I can survive is to be good at athletics, and then two years later be one of the best athletes at your school. I don't know how you do that, but it is a sheer drive and desire of I have to be good enough. I have to be, and there's just always this. It's always there. And the interesting thing about it is: you just can't do it. Good enough for what? Good enough for people to everyone to everywhere to love you all of the time. Good enough to be worthy of the love and affection that comes through Jesus Christ. Good enough for a holy, perfect God to accept you. You're striving. We're striving. I'm striving after a goal that doesn't even make sense. It's not possible to achieve. And yet, this is what we do. This time, this year, 2023 is the year. It's the year. It's the year I'm finally gonna. And you put the list out there. And all the lists, I'm finally going to be good enough. Strong enough. Healthy enough. Successful enough for me to feel good about me. For you to feel good about me. For us to feel good about us. I'm finally going to achieve all of the goals that will take for me to feel unconditionally loved and accepted. And we strive and we strive and we never get there. You can achieve all the goals, and then even in the end, you're going to be like, do I now feel good enough? When both of those desires they sit there in your heart. I want to be made new. I want to be loved and accepted. As I am. I want somebody to meet me where I am and say, It doesn't matter that you're not good enough. I love you. And this is the work that Jesus Christ has done. Make all the New Year's resolutions you want. 2023, it is your year. You're going to do it. You're going to do great. You're going to lose all the weight. And you're going to be all the healthy. And you're going to read all the books. You're going to go all the places. And you're going to get all the jobs. Right? It's great. It's great. Good for you. But why don't we start with. But I don't have to. Because Jesus Christ looked at me and said, I love you. I'm going to make you new. And it doesn't matter that you aren't and never will be good enough. I love you. And I want to give you new life. And I want to make you my brother and sister and co-heirs of what the God of the universe has given to all of us. And I can rest in that. And then, out of a gratitude, out of a desire. I mean, it's not like we haven't been given jobs. We have been given jobs. We have things, we have things that God wants us to do. But it comes not out of this kind of this, this striving to do something that I can't do, to become someone I can't become. Because Jesus has already made me those things. He has already, he has already made me good enough, He has already made me new. And out of that joy, out of, out of that beauty, out of that unconditional love and full of gratitude, I now want to do and be who God has called me to be. And he says it here, who he's called us to be. He's reconciled us to himself, and and he, and he gave us this ministry of reconciliation. And he says it more explicitly in verse 20. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. It's an amazing, it's an amazing image. It's an, it's an amazing image. Uh, I, I appreciate, I appreciate the use of a really good, precise word. We are now God's friends. We are now God's spokesmen. We are now... You know, God's servants, we are now you know, God's charges. I mean, there's any number of words he could use to say he's got a job for you to do. But the word that he chooses to use is ambassador. So we'll just, again, we'll just put the, put the last slide up there. We are his ambassadors now. We're his ambassadors. He uses this word. It was rich then, it just continues to get more and more rich. The idea of an ambassador. Someone who lives in a different country, but representing the country that they came from. So I live in a place that is foreign to me. And when I walk, when I live, when I talk, I am not representing myself. I am representing the government, the country, the president, whatever. Like I am representing them in this country. Like even if you go to another country and you see like the embassy, you cross that line into the embassy, you're now in that country. You may be in Kenya, you may be in England, you may be in France, you may be in Thailand. It doesn't matter where you are. When you cross that line into the embassy, you are in fact, it is like you are in the United States. And when that ambassador speaks, he's not the kind of guy who's like, man, I was thinking about this the other day. I think our president's an idiot. Like he just does not have that. He doesn't have that sort of freedom. Well, I'm gonna tell me, ambassador. What do you really think? He he has no freedom. He has, he has no he has no ability to do that. When he speaks, who he is, what he says, what he does is all in representing the heart, the mind, the thoughts, the values, the mission that the home country, that the home leader has given to him. And you now, you have been made brand new. You have been shown an unconditional amount of love where you could never be good enough. And God says, it doesn't matter that you're not good enough. I love you fully and completely anyway. And I will do a supernatural transformative work in you to make you something you thought that you could never be. You are now brand new, fully forgiven, and fully and unconditionally loved by the God of the universe. Now, I've got this job I want you to do. I want you to take that love. I want you to, want you to take it out there. I want you to talk about this thing that I did for you. I want you to tell them. I just want you to tell them. You know, don't, don't represent yourself. Don't, 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 don't think about... Uh, it's, You now represent Him on a different day than New Year's Day. You know, those of you who especially have been around for a long time, who've heard me talk a lot, I mean, you can imagine, like, I am this close to a full-blown kind of Charlie kind of rant about how we're not doing that great a job at representing God's values in our world. We'll just set that right there. Because I don't want to undo all the good things that we've said as we've talked about how the unconditional love of God and you've been made new. We can talk about some ways we can do better. We'll talk about that a different day. But no one understands this. The unconditional love of God. The new, you now represent that to this world. You are a walking advertisement. You are a walking ambassador For the greatness and goodness and the love of God. And we get to talk about it and we get to live it. And so as you think about what you want this new year to be, as you think about the new life that you want to have, let us begin in this moment with the reflection on the new life and the new thing that God has already done in our heart and our life. And the unconditional love that he has shown us. And the great privilege that we have to go and represent him to a world that just like you, just like me, is desperate to be new, to be seen, to be loved, to be forgiven, to be given new life in Jesus Christ. So as we have some time here this morning, I just encourage you. I mean, we've talked about this obviously a lot more in the past, but we're going to want to really kind of bring it back. we just got great opportunities in the back for just real reflection. And I think on a day like this, on a day like this, as we're just kind of thinking about the new year and we're here. I think this is a great day for just some real deep personal reflection, both on what God has already done in my life, to let that really deeply sink in and then reflect and then continue to reflect on what would it mean for me this year to better be his ambassador so there's people in the back that would love to pray with you if you need somebody to pray um, there's communion available in the back there's prayer candles where you can pray there's a cross where you can pray we're obviously going to have worship I encourage you to pour out your heart to God and reflection and worship in that way but let's not let's not let's, let's let's take full advantage of this opportunity. God has made us new. He has loved us well, and He has given us this charge to represent Him in our world. And let's take the time to reflect on what that means now, and what it's going to mean for us this year. Let me pray. God, I thank you for this day. I thank you for these awesome men and women who are here. And God, I'm mindful God, of those of us who are here who haven't been made new, who have not experienced that forgiveness, who have not experienced your Unconditional love firsthand. We've heard it talked about, but we've never lived it. We've never experienced it. And so, God, I pray today would be the day. Today would be the day that we would become new. That we would truly believe that your Son, Jesus Christ, came into this world not just simply to show us how to live but to die for us so that we could be forgiven and have life with you to be made new to be forgiven and so God if that's anyone here God I pray in their heart they would make that decision and God for all of us I pray this would be a really deep and powerful time of reflection about the power of what your son Jesus Christ has done for us and the rest that we can have from that from being made new from you having done all the work and God I pray that both in this room and outside of it we would take very seriously this charge that you have given us to represent you to the world to help people understand the reconciliation that you have done that your Son has done in bringing us to God. And it is in your Son's name that we pray. Amen.